This episode of Let's Talk About Sex with Lynn and Jen is not intended as a substitute for seeing your own mental health provider. We are here to initiate conversations about sex. Let's keep the conversations going. You can find us on Twitter at TalkingSexPod or email us at TalkingSexPodcast at gmail.com. We also want to give special thanks to Nathan Diffie for our podcast cover art and our wonderful editor, Julia W.D. Harrison. Lynn Ponton and I, Jennifer Wong, are the executive producers. I'm Lynn Ponton of Let's Talk About Sex with Lynn and Jen, inviting you to listen to a podcast, Unmask, two therapists talking about psychological issues during the time of COVID. Please join us on in-depth conversations about COVID issues during this very challenging time. Thanks for tuning in. How are you doing today, Jen? I'm doing okay. Honestly, I'm not at my best. It's been a long holiday season, especially just as you and I have talked about these past few months. Um, But I am taking care of myself the best I can, and I think that's sort of the best a lot of us can say right In now. fact, just before we were talking, you know, starting to record, we were talking about how uh, you can't really say to others, have a great holiday or happy, happy Christmas, because the perception from the other side is already, everybody's kind of struggling with this holiday mm-hmm. season. So how do we greet each other? Uh, and how do we answer? How are you doing today? <laughs> that kind of question. Right, exactly. I mean, it it started with me thinking about how, you know, when when you say a greeting or you say bye to someone, like it it's really about the sincerity of what you're saying. And so I don't think there's anything wrong with saying like merry christmas or happy holidays to people, but I I do know that as a therapist for myself, you know, a lot of our clients are in very challenging, uh, struggling through the holiday season right now. And I don't want to end our session with this sort of like fake cheer for them. And so for me, I realized that, you know, I've always been very big on gratitude. And so it came down to me saying things like, you know, I hope you find things to be grateful for this season. And I think the sincerity comes across, but it's, it's just been very eye opening to me to think about like how to convey the same sentiment without provoking I don't I don't know the the right word right now but just you know I I want it to feel sincere and I I want to be empathetic and acknowledge though that a lot of them are currently struggling and like that's okay that I they don't need to like put on a fake happy face for people I guess and I think we listen or we're listening to so many people who are having trouble doing that, putting on Mm -hmm. a fake face because the overwhelming information out there is not so happy, you know? So Mm -hmm. how do you authentically encourage the other person to say, my day isn't very good here. It's not going so well. Mm -hmm. What do you do when you hear that from other people? You know, and I like what you're saying about the gratitude trying to get people to look at what they can be thankful for. And the other thing people can do is take care of themselves. Really think Mm -hmm. about taking walks, eating well, trying to sleep, 
just what's involved in personal care during this time? Yeah, I think it's a great time to get really honest about yourself, about what supports you and to give yourself permission if you require it to do those things, right? Some people like to be outside. Some people like to be inside. Some people want to read a book and some people, you know, want, want to do seemingly nothing and all of it is okay. Yeah, especially if it helps you get through this period. And right. uh, that's... I think it's very hard often to find what helps you get through a tough period like this. So this is really a practice in learning yes. about these things for ourselves. You know, for me, I, I've often used my close relationships with people and all my people contact. And now I have a lot of Zoom people, but I miss those intimate connections really with people. It's very important. So how can I sustain myself without those, really? Mm -hmm, definitely. I mean, I, I find myself reading more or listening to podcasts and, and almost like watching shows and, and relating to the characters in a way where I, it's almost like I'm subconsciously trying to extend the friendship or something because I'm a very like social person on some level. You know, I I did watch um, one of the things my husband and I do for our date night is we watch this show called New Girl, which has been on for a while now. But there was this one scene with this old, like Asian smiling, happy man. And it reminded me just so much of my grandpa. And I oh. was so excited in that moment. And I mean, I think I would have been excited anyway, but I think just like, that connection and, and feeling, you know, also my grandpa passed away, but you know, that, that sense of feeling like, oh my God, yes, like connection is so important to me. And, and just like, wow, this is a moment where I feel like this show gets me because here's my grandpa, you know, and, and part of me is like, this is so strange. But another part of me is like, it's actually not that strange because it's, it's really an extension of who I am. And I do this typically with like real people in my life. But since there aren't that many real people around, you know, here I am doing it with this character on a show. And what you're talking about, Jen, is something I've experienced too during this time of COVID. And I've seen with so many people I work with that they will connect to either a grandparent or a parent who's many of them dead, but they're triggered with the memory, the happy memory of the grandparent or the parent. And it comes to us in this time that we really need help and support. And there's your grandfather's smile and his hand mm -hmm. reaching out and you feel it. And I mm -hmm. do think we see these people in others around us whether on TV or podcast or whatever, we are reminded mm -hmm. of the people we love and care about. I think it's also, it's a great time of nostalgia. You know, typically the holiday season is a time to reflect on the year and gather and all of that. And obviously this is a very different season. And I think we're trying to do what we can to hang on to the bits of the tradition that we're able to still grasp. I really ag agree with you about this holiday season that the traditions have kind of been thrown on their ear and we're left trying to piece them together. 
you know, and that's, mm -hmm. I think, what a lot of people are trying to do. You see it, uh, more Christmas trees sold than any other time ever. And, you know, people want a little bit of happiness in that way. You know, and it is, I think the other thing we've got to acknowledge is the loss during this holiday season. You know, yes. I'm losing all my family being here and then we're all having dinner together and sharing really close connection. None of that will happen. And yeah. uh, I get a few things, uh, little walks with my grandson. You know, we're both masked and we're six feet apart. And But it's not the same. It's just not the same. No, it's not. I mean, and I, I think that's exactly it is giving yourself space to to grieve the loss. You know, I, I have a lot of clients and I find myself even doing it at times where I I fall into this sort of like, well, we just have to keep going, like keep moving, you know, and, and it's okay to pause and say, you know what, this really sucks. You know what, this is very sad. And and I found if anything, at least for me, when I I'm able to allow myself to really honor that sadness. That's actually when I'm able to open up and say, you know what? It's true that these things are really sad and there is still a lot to be grateful for. I mean, I'm looking right now across the, the desk that I'm recording on and I see my sparkly Christmas tree. We put so many lights in it. It's like 50 meters of lights and it's just like totally glowing. And it's our first Christmas tree in the place that, you know, me and my husband first moved into after getting married. And so there's a lot of like fun tradition that's still happening, even though it obviously isn't the way that I would have planned it. And what you're talking about, seeing those lights and being triggered in a happy way and seeing the beginning of a new tradition with you yeah. and your husband making a new tradition. You know, that's a, a really good way to look at it. I think the last week for me, I mentioned my grandson. He and I went for this little walk in the, the cold with our gloves, our hats on, and in the leaves. And we played a little soccer ball outside, kicking it back and forth. And then when I came back to his house, he had thought that we'd have lunch together, as we always do. And he had written a menu of the lunch that Nana Lynn and he were going to eat together. That's so sweet. And then when we were unable to do this, he was very tearful, my little yeah. grandson. And I think for me, you know, I was trying to be as strong as I could. But when I saw this, you know, brought up how emotional these losses are and how much he had counted on it. He had written his only, it's a little job, not even five, but he had counted mm -hmm. on that meant so much to him that we were going to have lunch. Burritos, quesadillas, and turkey was his Aww. lunch. But, you know, then we didn't have it. And I felt very, very badly wondering, should I even see him for these really short, abbreviated visits? Then the next day he called, and for an hour we played on Zoom a skate game, a puzzle game, where we put a puzzle together. But he'd come yeah. up with, we couldn't have the lunch, but we were going to have a Zoom puzzle game together. And mm -hmm. I saw in him what I wish so many people would have, myself included, which is developing coping strategies after you acknowledge one of these losses. And I think it's really hard to do that, to acknowledge the loss and then think, I'll come up with something else that'll work 
like your Christmas tree, your Christmas mm -hmm. tree with all its sparkles that you and your husband put up. It's fantastic, really, Jennifer. Yeah, I mean, I, I think exactly what you're talking about is what I noticed too in, in the younger kids is that when they're allowed to really have their emotion, when they really, you know, this is true for adults too, but when, when kids are just free, they haven't learned that they have to suppress their emotions as a lot of adults are taught, they're actually much more resilient than I think people give them credit for. And I find the parents are often saying, you know, oh, my child's having such a hard time with this aspect, but it's actually the parent who's having the harder time because they're not acknowledging the full like intensity of the emotional pain and loss, you know, whereas I, I think it, it's a beautiful thing of the human spirit is that like when you allow yourself to open up and be tender in that way, you actually start to see more possibility, right? Because when, when you're in the pain, it's very hard to see anything other than the pain. Pain by nature focuses you on what is causing the pain. And, and so many people see that pain as something to be avoided, something to be shut down, something that is wrong with their life. And instead, when you really allow yourself to not like lean into it, I guess, but like accept it, maybe that's the word I'm looking for. When you accept that pain is part of life and that it, it's there to let you know that something isn't okay, it actually allows you to open up space to start thinking about like, okay, well, this isn't okay, but like, what could I do to make it feel a little more okay? And, and that's what allows us to kind of take that step out of the pain and, and transform it. I, I really agree with the way you put this, because I, I think what my little grandson was able to do was really cry out how bad this was for us. And then that really pushed him into thinking, what could we do if we couldn't do this other thing? And mm -hmm. uh, I think that step is so hard, the acknowledging the pain and the uh, really feeling our emotions and then moving on to that next step really with it. You know, and this is, I think, the biggest part of this holiday is really, you know, all of these things. How do we make it work? with this other thing really going on the people around us many are sick or struggling it's really not not easy no it's not i mean and and as you bring that up i i think too about one thing that i've been learning for myself that i didn't realize until we were talking about it right now is that i attach a lot of significance to like the actual thing or event instead of realizing that like the event or thing is really a container for an experience, right? So, so thinking about what little Jamie did, like he obviously wanted to have this lunch with you, but it wasn't just like, oh, I want to have lunch with grandma. It was, I want to have this connected moment to share something that like really matters to me with grandma, right? And so he was able to take sort of the essence of what that was and transfer it to something else. And I think a lot of us adults could really learn from, from that perspective to say, okay, yes, maybe we aren't all gathering together around, you know, and having this family meal that we love, but what is this meal really about? It's about the 
quality of the time shared and being able to hear about people's experiences and slowing down for a moment and reminiscing and all of that. And, and that that part doesn't have to be lost necessarily. It's just different and very different. So it requires grief. Yeah. And I was grieving it, as you say, but I took yeah. the menu he made for me of the burrito, the quesadilla and turkey, pasted it on my refrigerator. And whenever I walk by, I see oh, I love that. that there's the intention of wanting to connect. And I feel so connected to him. And it may be maybe the best Christmas dinner that never happens sort of thing. But here it is. But it's connected us both. And we have other ways of dealing with it. The little puzzle that we were doing was the United States puzzle, every state. And he was naming the state and the main food that's made in the state was on the puzzle piece. So he'd say, next year at holiday time, we're going to have potatoes from Idaho. You know, next year, we're going to have cheese from Wisconsin. So, uh, you know, I could see the coping that he's coming up with. This is his extended menu for next year when we have yeah. all the states. So. You know, I, I think it's uh, it's really about how do we look inside ourselves and realize what is important about this holiday. And it may turn out to be the best holiday I've had you know, in terms of connection, even though I don't have that table of all our kids and there are more kids than little Jamie for sure. Right. Yeah. No, I, I love that. I mean, I, I think that's that's the thing is like, how, how can we help ourselves learn that we can get through challenging things and that it doesn't have to be like all bad or all good, but that we can really kind of hold all of it together and, and take the meaning from it, whatever meaning we can extract from it to kind of keep us going. The other thing that we were talking a little bit about before uh, is how we're all dealing with the vaccinations that have started. And uh, it's an interesting time, too. This is just the first week that they've begun in America. And uh, my daughter, who's the infectious disease doc, has been vaccinated. She's one of the frontline workers with COVID. And um, so she's had the experience, little Jamie's mom. And uh, that, I think, has been great to see that happen. It was just so positive to see even one member, you know, a friend or family member get vaccinated. And just to see the start of all of this. And then when we were talking about it, Jen, one of our close friends and associates was questioning, should she even get vaccinated? I mean, so people have real different questions at this time. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a lot to consider for people and people have different priorities and and they are handling things based on what makes sense for them right i i think when you work in the medical profession it makes sense to get vaccinated because you're around these people all the time i also understand that there are a lot of people who like to have more data they like to feel more reassured. And I think that can be very challenging because when you have something that has had to, you know, be like the timeline is sped up, but I think not a lot of people 
are aware of like how or why the timeline is sped up and so not understanding that it's not that people are taking cutting corners it's not that you know like there's shoddy work happening in order to like rush something through it's that due to the number of people who are willing to have gone through the trial phases you know they they just have so much more access it's also Basically, the scientists who have this knowledge are all working together on this thing. And that typically doesn't happen, right? People typically have different projects and they take different timelines and they're not all collaborating. And so when you have a lot of really intelligent, hardworking people working on the same thing at the same time, things are going to hopefully move faster and, and more swiftly while also you know, being to a really high standard. And so I, I do think there's just a lot to consider that not everybody understands. And certainly I'm not like the expert on all of this, but I'm trying to gather as much information as I can to make my own informed decision. And what's your thought? Are you going to get the vaccine if you have the chance? Or I mean, right now, given what I know, I, I definitely think that it would be worth it. I mean, I'm also... A person who just loves people. So I think the the idea of being able to be around the people I love and knowing that, you know, the vaccine, they've really put all they can into it at this point. Um, I'm willing to take that risk, I think. I, I know that with any vaccine or anything new, there are always potential long-term consequences. But I also, you know, for me, I think that I, at some point, you can't know everything, and I trust these scientists to be doing what they can to look into the potential long-term effects and to do what they can to make sure that, you know, they, they are giving the best care possible. And, and I think even the fact that it's broken up into two parts instead of just being, like, forced into one, uh, one vaccination round, I think, is really important. Well, I think, too, during this whole period, uh, the last four years and even before then, science and doctors and medicine was really kind of decried and put down. And so we're really seeing a change uh, and a big fight going on. There's still a group that says, hey, doctors and experts, they don't know what's going on. You know, we can't trust them. And then there's another group that's saying, we really have to trust them now. It's the only way we're gonna get out of this. We're at the height of really infection and death at this point in our country. And the worst time, and we're the country doing the worst in the world with this. So mm -hmm. I think we've really got to look at, can we trust our doctors? We have to. Can we trust our medicine? We have to you know, and really proceed forward. And I've seen some of the frontline workers in therapy and also knowing them personally and just the level of emotion and care that they have for other people and the knowledge yeah. they put the thinking into it, Jen, that mm -hmm. you described and uh, the level of care and concern for other people is, I think, incredible. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it's one of those things that feel very personal, but also very much impact sort of things on a communal level. And I, I think 
there's often what I've noticed at least is people tend to prioritize one over the other and being able to begin with that stance and then kind of integrate the other pieces. So some people are really looking at, you know, how competent are the people behind this, you know, and other people are really thinking about like, well, things are really terrible for the community. And and so, you know, and I think it, it's, like I said before, you know, anytime you're in a situation where there is not like one clear path, I think it requires a lot of self-analysis mm-hmm. and that can be really overwhelming for a lot of people. I know also, like, I feel very grateful that I have friends and family that are in medical fields. So, you know, when a new paper comes out and it seems like scientific jargon to some people, you know, other other people are able to make sense of what it says, or they're able to say, you know, actually this study, you know, sounds really good, but it was set up in this way. And so, like, you know, that uh, impacts the results or whatever it may be, right? And so a lot of my family members that that are staying on top of things from the scientific aspect are saying like, no, I mean, like the scientists are really taking the proper procedures and they're doing the correct steps and and they're taking precautions as much as you can. And it's not that it's just rushed and things like that. And so for me, that provides some reassurance. And I think once we see others around us get it, you know, it's it's going to be great and we're going to feel really positive about it. But the feelings you're expressing, you know, the whole program's called a mask. Behind the mask are fear and concern mm-hmm. and thoughtfulness mm-hmm. and mistrust and all of these things. These are the feelings. In yeah. fact, of an epidemic behind the mask is all of this. How do we get this, you know, right here? You know, and we are somewhat mistrustful after we're in this situation. Mm -hmm. And we have to make decisions every day about this kind of thing. It's really not easy. Well, on that note, I want to ask you to take care and to all our listeners to take care during this period and uh, make the best decisions that they can around what to do about the vaccine and other things. And uh, I think we're going to have a very different year ahead of us to follow this one. I think so. And I hope that we can all, you know, as I mentioned before, that we can all still remember that there are things that we can be grateful for. So thank you so much, Lynn. I'm so grateful for you and all the conversations (laughs) that we've had this year. And I to you, Jen. Thank you. Thank you. Let's talk about sex.